The Big Fight Weekend Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Winning season continues at MyBookie, and now they're offering a free $20 bet with the promo code SGP20. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP20, to get a free $20 bet with your first deposit. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for instant deposit matches up to 50 bucks. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Sean Green's latest comedy album, This Loss Hurts Us All, for only $3.99. That's right, only $3.99. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Sean to get the new album. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Sean. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Oh, it's going to be a tremendous weekend of the fights, and we are thrilled to preview all of it for you here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host. We have got a bevy of guests to get to to help with all of these shows that are going to be going on all, all over the place, from London over in Europe, early in the day on Saturday, Saturday night in the Las Vegas top rank bubble inv- involving two international fighters, the monster Naoya Inoue, the Bantamweight world champion fighting Australian contender Jason Maloney. And then we've got a tremendous pay-per-view showdown from PBC in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. PBC on Showtime main event, Gervonta Tank Davis unbeaten going for the WBA regular version of the lightweight championship against four-division world champ Leo Santa Cruz, the longtime veteran, junior featherweight, featherweight, and super featherweight champion. Uh, it will, will provide, we believe, a tough test for Santa Cruz in that one, so... Lots of great fights that are coming for this weekend. And let me set the table for you that Al Bernstein will be up straight ahead here. The legendary boxing analyst for Showtime, the Hall of Famer. He will be on the call of Davis Santa Cruz on that network. Mauro Ronaldo, uh, Al Bernstein, Abner Marez will have the call. What will happen? What are Al's thoughts on what will happen with the young, explosive punching Davis against the volume punching, tough, rugged, uh, Mexican-American Santa Cruz, who has been in with better competition, let's be honest, than what Davis has. Al will have thoughts on all of this uh, coming up here straight ahead on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Then, Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, he will hop in with Jason Maloney, uh, the contender who is fighting against Naoya Inouye, the monster, in the main event, Las Vegas, For the WBA and IBF Bantamweight World Championships, that is late night, Saturday night, Eastern time, prime time in the West, 
for Maloney and Inouye. You'll hear from Jason Maloney with Marquise Johns as a conversation in the middle part of the podcast. Then Marquise rejoins me for the fight breakdowns and predictions. We go over the odds and much more in our final segment uh, for all these different fights, including the British heavyweight showdown between Derek Chisora of England, 36-year-old hard-punching contender with a 32-9 and record, uh, kind of a fringe contender in the uh, in the heavyweight ranks against the number one world boxing organization, number one WBO contender and former undisputed world cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk of the Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainian gold medalist in the Olympics back in 2016. Now 17 and 0 as a professional. And uh, moving up for his second fight at heavyweight, can he get in position to fight Anthony Joshua in 2021? Usyk we're talking about uh, with a win over Chisora. Prominent pay-per-view fight out of England. DAZN streaming will stream it in the U.S. Sky Sports Boxing will have it over in the U.K. So we're anxious to talk about all of those fights with Marquise and make some predictions a little bit later on in the show. By the way, however you found us, social media link through the Sports Gambling Podcast, their fleet of programming on the Sports Gambling Podcast network feed of shows through sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe, and the preview show will come automatically to you. Marquise and I love mixing it up on this podcast and bringing you special guests. Of course, last week we had Leo Santa Cruz, a uh, very confident fighter on the podcast as he gets ready to fight Gervonta Davis. Again, you're hearing from Al Bernstein and challenger Jason Maloney in the Bantamweight World title fight right here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. You don't have to worry about when we're on and where we're coming uh, in the preview mode for the weekend if you subscribe. So we encourage you to do that. Subscribe to the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, with those disclaimers out of the way, let's jump right into the previews. Al Bernstein coming up first. He's working the San Antonio, Texas Alamo Dome show. The headlining fight, Tank Davis, Leo Santa Cruz. He's going to have a lot on that and the atmosphere. There will be some fans present uh, for this showdown in Texas. Socially distanced fans at the Alamo Dome. Al will have thoughts on all of that and much, much more. All of that as we get rolling here on the show. As mentioned, Saturday night, pay-per-view, the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas for Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. And who better to help me analyze, talk about this, the historical impact, etc., than the Hall of Fame analyst Al Bernstein of Showtime Sports. He will be on the call with Mauro Ranallo and Abner Mares and their entire crew of this pay-per-view on Saturday night. A pleasure to have you back with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And this one, uh, we, we are eagerly anticipating. It's one of the better fights remaining in the year. It's now going to have fans, Al. More on that in a second. I know we're excited. I know you got to got to be getting excited right about now as well. Yeah, it should be a really great night of boxing. We have a nice undercard, and of course, the main event with uh, Davis and Santa Cruz is a fascinating one. Okay, so let's get into that part first, the matchup. Uh, intriguing because Santa Cruz is a four-division world champion moving up. Davis, unbeaten, uh, young, power-punching fighter. When you size this up, as you've done so many times in your career, what intrigues you about this main event? Well, it's interesting because, you know, 
Davis is clearly the more powerful. Uh, you know, he's been at 135 for several fights, although he was at 130 for most of his career. But he's big power puncher. Leo Santa Cruz is a volume puncher uh, who, is, who is moving up to 130. And, and he, you could, what the two men need to do in the fight is distinctly different. You know, Davis wants to use his power, create a knockout. But Santa Cruz would like to use his high volume punching to extend this fight, take it into the later rounds where he can either win by decision or maybe even if he, he you know, he believes, as he put it, he, he believes he can frustrate Davis and then um, uh, make him gas and then maybe even win by TKO in the later rounds. Well, I know that the last time that we saw Gervonta Davis, he won, but he struggled to put away a veteran in Yorioki's Gamboa uh, in December of last year, even after Gamboa had injured his Achilles and was taking a lot of Davis's best shots and pushed it into the late rounds. Do we make anything out of a veteran fighter being able to hang in there with Gervonta Davis last December? And if so, what do we make of it? Well, it was interesting. A uh, story came out today in which Gervonta uh, Davis said that it was a subpar performance. He said, you know, I did not perform well. He said, I watched that fight two weeks after it. And he said, I had to turn it off. He said, I, I just thought it was a subpar performance. And he said, I will learn from that and I won't repeat that. So I actually thought that was very positive that he was able to, to admit that, you know, it wasn't the kind of performance he would like. Of course he did win the fight and he did stop Gamboa, but as you point out, a one-legged Gamboa on top of everything else. So uh, it was not the kind of fight that, uh, you know, Davis would, uh, point to as his shining moment and uh so what it what it can say i guess is that you know uh he can be he can be frustrated and he can be had if you will um i mean that's what leo santa cruz would like to believe you know that he's a he's a fighter that's on a high level as gamboa was when he was a younger fighter and in lower weight classes than that um so the so it's not as if gamboa wasn't a, a good fighter it's just that between the injury and him moving up in weight, uh, people didn't expect him to be so troublesome. Well, and yet he was. Again, that's the voice of Hall of Fame boxing analyst Al Bernstein. Uh, he will be on the call. Showtime pay-per-view, PBC, main event, Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, battling at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, in the main event on Saturday night on pay-per-view. Uh, back to Santa Cruz. Okay, so I was proven wrong on this. I didn't I didn't catch where you came down on the prediction of Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. I really thought Lomachenko's experience, his championship wins, that would pull him through uh, the, against the younger, hard-punching, less experienced Lopez. Lopez instead put on a great performance and won. So I, I blatantly, my hand is up, Al, even though you can't see me. I got that one wrong. How much, therefore, here's the question, how much does Santa Cruz's world championship experience in the two fights with Frampton, the two great fights with your colleague Abner Morez uh, that he pulled through, how much is that going to help him? What, what do you believe uh, versus Davis really not being in with a bunch of, of world-class experienced fighters? What do you think? Well, I think the experience of Santa Cruz is important for him. You know, he spent... Uh, he's 32 years old, and he's he's been a veteran of the sport. I think he's a 14-year pro, and so he he has seen a lot of situations, and that experience could be certainly helpful to him. 
but uh, you made the analogy to the Lopez fight. In that fight, Teofimo Lopez showed um, not only the power that we, you know, because he wasn't able to knock Lomachenko out, but he did show some power. But he showed an ability to box well. Davis is really hoping to do something similar to that. He is, he is hoping to show that he's more than just uh, somebody that can knock you out and he's a big power puncher. Uh, and, you know, that's going to be his, his mission in this fight, uh, to, to, to be a more all-around fighter. And, uh, and for Santa Cruz, you know, he, he, he's very unflappable. That's the one thing about Leo Santa Cruz, that nothing changes him. You know, he, he goes at the exact same emotional speed all the time. And I think that might be beneficial to him in this fight. All right. Another intriguing aspect is this fight was originally tentatively planned for the bubble, uh, the uh, COVID-19 bubble that Showtime and Premier Boxing Champions have at the Mohegan Sun Casino in uh, Connecticut. Instead, it is now moved to the Alamo Dome and will have some fans socially distanced in that massive football dome in San Antonio, Texas. Al, first of all, uh, I-, I wonder what your reaction is and-, and how much more enthused you are that we're going to have some fan atmosphere in this one and you got to have your cowboy boots and your big belt buckle and your spurs because you're going to Texas here for this one. Exactly. Well, you know, I used to ride in the Celebrity Rodeo, so I still have <laughs> I still have a bunch of those things in the closet. I haven't used them in the last couple of years. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it will be fun to have fans there. Um, as you point out, socially distanced because the Alamo Dome is so big. But it'll be interesting to hear the crowds again and hear enthusiasm for one fighter or another. That's obviously not been there uh, while the fights have been, uh, you know, in a bubble. And and I, and that'll be intriguing. You know, I I don't know that it alters the the um, the trajectory of the fight, but it should certainly add to the entertainment value. Yeah, no doubt about that. And there there have been some interesting fights. Uh, I, I still remember the Chavez Pernell Whitaker. Uh, epic controversial draw in the early 90s was in that building in the dome. Have you ever called one? I don't know in, in just trying to recollect off the top of my head in a massive dome football stadium like this. And if so, I mean, obviously it's not apples to apples because those would have been much more packed in previous years than what this will be. But it's definitely an unusual venue for a fight inside like that, right? Yeah, that big one. It's that big a, a stadium. Um I've done been in many art huge arenas like Wembley Stadium, but it's not completely enclosed. We had ninety thousand people there for the uh, Klitschko um, Joshua fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, this one is a, a, a different configuration. And as you point out, it's you know we're not getting the full effect of it because there are fewer people. I think they're probably going to cap the crowd at something like ten to twelve thousand. All right, we'll see how that goes uh, for this one on uh, on Saturday night. Okay, a couple more. So there's a there's a bunch, and this will be for a little later on in the weekend, and we're in the preview mode. There's a bunch being made about the weight and about uh, the fact that this is a 130 and 135 pound title fight according to the WBA, which is confusing enough on face value. There is legitimate concern because Davis has had trouble making the 130 pound weight, and that he may even have some trouble here in these COVID times, et cetera, with making the 135 weight, which we've seen other fighters with. Al, what do you, what do you make of the whole weight situation? And it is kind of confusing as to whether it's a junior lightweight or lightweight title fight that's coming when we do the weigh-in. Well, it's for both, it is for both 
titles, and that is odd, but it is. And I doubt that he'll have trouble making 135. 130 is a different matter. Uh, you know, he has he lost his title, uh, his crown on the scales once before, Javante Davis. And so he has had his moments trying to make the way. He says he is, and everybody I've talked to indicates he's, he's on target to make 130. And there are severe financial penalties uh, should he miss 130. All right, so that's the situation there with the wait. And uh, here we go with this one on Saturday night. I know you have not gotten on scene in, in Texas as of yet, but just one more time, I always love asking this question, and you have done so many of these. Uh, it's still special for you when you're talking about pay-per-view main event, right? And Morrow gets ready to call it and, and is all lamped up, and it, it, there is something <laughs> different about these, right? Yeah, I think any major fights or great fights, I mean, I – Truthfully, I get excited for every show because I really enjoy doing it, and it's and, and every show has something different to offer you. But the, you know, when you have a fight like this, it's um, this an important fight. You know, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of questions surrounding it, uh, and it's two fighters uh, trying to make a change in their career. You know, Leo Santa Cruz feels like a, a win here for the latter part of his career. He's probably got two or three good years left in him. That for those that time, this could drastically alter the, the framework of his career. And the same is true for, for Davis. He, he wants to win. A, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had a lot of really top names on, on, uh, that, you know, on his resume that he can say he beat. And, and Leo Santa Cruz is certainly that. So um, anytime you have a fight that's so important, uh, whether it's on pay-per-view or wherever it is, um, you know, I think it, it, uh, it creates a lot of excitement. Well, we are looking forward to it. Saturday night, Premier Boxing Champions PBC on Showtime with their pay-per-view. Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz for both the 130 and 135-pound WBA world titles that will be on the line. Looking forward to watching and seeing everything that unfolds, including Al Bernstein on the call. Al, thank you. You're generous with your time. I know you're busy. I know you're traveling to Texas, getting ready for this one. Thank you for the time here. We always appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Tomorrow I'll be jetting down there and getting ready for for all the action and uh, looking forward to it. There we go. Love the insight of uh, of Al Bernstein. And again, Mauro Ronaldo will call the play-by-play. Alan Abner Mares, the former uh, junior featherweight and featherweight world champ, will be on the call of this one with uh, with Mauro Ronaldo on the Showtime Premier Boxing Champions pay-per-view, Tank Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, on Saturday night. Still to come on this podcast, Jason Maloney challenging for the Unified World Bantamweight 118-pound uh, title Saturday night in Las Vegas. The Australian Maloney spoke recently with Marquise Johns. Hear that conversation coming up. And then Marquise will be with me to make some fight predictions at the end of this podcast. All of that is forthcoming here on the show. But first, let's talk about our friends at mybookie.ag. Winning season is here, and that means with the NFL in full swing, it's your chance to win big. Plus, in college football, as we've already been alluding to, the Big Ten is back. The Pac-12 won't be far behind to join the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. There's nothing sweeter than watching your team cash in and putting cash in your pocket through mybookie.ag. And whether you're a first-time player, a veteran of the game, taking the underdogs, etc., you can sign up right now and get a free $20 wager 
with SGP20, the promo code. That's right. Our promo code is SGP20. And on your initial deposit with my bookie, you get a free $20 wager. Nothing beats all of the action of college football and the NFL on the weekends. You can get free money with my bookie from us and bet on anything from the NFL, college football, the election, all of it. It's winning season, baby, and it's all happening at my bookie. So check them out right now, mybookie.ag. Remember, our promo code is SGP20. Get a free wager if you're a first-time user signing up. Free $20 wager with the promo code SGP20. You bet, you win, you get paid with my bookie. All right, sports fans, also don't forget to grab the brand new album from our buddy Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast. His comedy album is out. This loss hurts us all. It's only $3.99. It's going to be highly entertaining and worth your while to laugh along with Sean, particularly because he's such a diehard Eagles fan. This comes from he and his dad and their long love-hate relationship with the Philly teams, especially the Eagles. His dad would oftentimes, when they had a tough loss, use the phrase this loss hurts us all and that's where the comedy album comes from the album uh is available right now online at sportsgamblingpodcast.com it's available right there sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash sean s-e-a-n spell his name just 3.99 for the album this loss hurts us all is hilarious you're gonna love it go get it at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash sean And we're also brought to you in part by our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Great response right now from everybody involved with the Sports Gambling Podcast. The website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Sports Gambling Podcast networks of shows like this one, uh, as well as the College Experience uh, and all the other shows that are there. You guys are stepping up big with Thrive Fantasy. So, again, they are thrilled and they want you to know that they are the daily fantasy game that has player props. That's how they are different. You can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes in the nfl you choose 10 of the 20 available player props to build your lineup so take advantage of that right now with thrive fantasy Uh, for example i'm looking at a couple of ones i really like in that cleveland raiders game jarvis landry is going to be counted on more with obj out with the knee injury landry a a uh, 0.5 on receiving touchdowns will he get one in the game to go over that total of 0.5 I like that for Landry in the early Sunday game with the Raiders. I also like Phillip Rivers in the early game to have at least 23 completions on the under over of 22 and a half on Thrive Fantasy. Rivers and the Colts going against the Detroit Lions. And we will also be talking more as the show goes on um, about a couple of different games, including the Steelers against the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Andrews, the tight end of the Ravens. Will he have under or over 58 receiving yards against that excellent Pittsburgh D? The, the one that stuffed Green, uh, uh, Cleveland back a couple of weeks ago and had Tennessee on the ropes for a lot of that game. I don't know that Andrews gets to 58 receiving yards in that game against Pittsburgh. Again, these are examples of the player props that are available with Thrive Fantasy. That is how they are different So again, check out each prop that's assigned for the value on the over-under. Make your 10 selections out of the 20 available, and you've got a chance to win 50 grand in guaranteed prizes every week. Thrive Fantasy has already awarded over $1.6 million this year in cash prizes alone. 
Use our promo code SGP if you're signing up for the first time and you get an instant match up to $50 on your first deposit. So download the Thrive Fantasy app in the App Store or the Play Store. Go to thrivefantasy.com to see the rules, the regulations. You want to sign up, you want to prop up today. Use our promo code SGP and get up to $50 on the initial match with Thrive Fantasy. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sportsbook but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. Big Fight Weekend Podcast rolls along. Senior writer Marquise Johns talking with a man who is taking on the WBA Super, the, the, the good title, the IBF title, the ring Magazine Bantamweight Champion, the monster, anyway, anyway, uh, October 31st in the States, making his Las Vegas debut. But, but enough about him. We're talking, about the cha- we're talking to the challenger. We're talking to Jason Maloney, who is taking him on. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jason. And first things first, uh, I'm going to start with, with, with Dad first of all. You've been hearing everything about anyway, and I think I have you quoted as saying, the fact everyone thinks anyway is unbeatable. I love it. Talk to me about the process of you hearing about him over and over again and how you plan on upsetting him on, on Halloween weekend here in the States. Yeah, that's right. Well, obviously, a lot of the hype uh, is around Anui, and we're here to spoil the show. Uh, we're here to show what we're capable of, and we think we've got what it takes to beat him and become the number one bantamweight in the world. So we're very excited about this opportunity. We're working extremely hard, and we're ready to prove a lot of people wrong. Absolutely, Jason. And one thing I want to, uh, that I do know that you have a leg up on him on is the fact that you've already been through this process before of uh, fighting in the bubble. You, you had a bubble show earlier than this over the summer, uh, defeating uh, Leonardo Baez. I wanted to uh, close up one of the shows during the summer here. Uh, t- talk to me through the process of it. Uh, every, every fighter I've talked to in regards to these shows with no fans in the stands have explained to me is that it's pretty much a, a sparring session where you hear your coaches and trainers better. Is that pretty much the case for it? No, see, I, I know I've heard a lot of people say that as well, but that's not how it felt uh, to me at all. Um, I still felt like it was a really massive occasion. I knew that there wasn't anyone in the crowd, but I knew that the importance of that fight. I knew there was probably more people watching my last fight on TV than, than ever before. So even though there was no audience actually in attendance, uh, it was still a massive platform for me to, to show what I'm capable of doing. Uh, it was a fight that I needed to win and a fight that I thought if I was able to win in impressive fashion, it would open the doors to, to me having another shot at fighting for a world title, which it did. So I still felt like it was a still you know, a massive uh, occasion and it didn't feel like a sparring session to me at all. As soon as we walked out and we were in the ring, uh, it felt like a fight. It felt like any other fight I've ever been involved in. And, uh, you know, I had the hairs on my back stand, uh, the hairs on the back of my neck standing up when I was walking out to the ring. And even though there was no fans there cheering and screaming, it still it still <laughs> felt to me like I was walking out uh, for a very important fight. And um, I think it's a massive, uh, massive sort of positive for me that I've already been in this situation and, and I know what I'm about to walk into, whereas I know he doesn't. I've also only fought just a couple of months ago, whereas she's 
uh, about 12 months of inactivity at the moment. So there's a few benefits um, going my way, and we'll, uh, we'll take all those, all those one percenters, and um, anything that's uh, going to stack against against him and, and go in my favour. Well, that's a good thing. Absolutely, Jason. And speaking with uh, Jason Maloney, who was taking on anyway uh, on Big Fight Weekend, a couple more moments with him. Uh, the one thing I want to get speak to you about as well, just leading up to this fight, uh, usually people will ask at this point, you know, how is training camp going and, and uh, the, that usual nonsense. I, I, I'm assuming training camp is going great. I want to ask you instead, uh, what have you prepared differently for this training camp? I, I saw something online where you you, bring in, uh, you pretty much created a, a, a self-tractor runaround. Uh, what would you how, you how your process for this fight was, training-wise? Yeah, look, we're not training any different, really, mate. Like it's um, that's the thing. Where I think you can come unstuck. I, I prepare for every single fight like it's the most important fight of my life, and I never leave any stone unturned in my preparation. And always get in the ring ready to go twelve rounds flat out. And that's something I pride myself on my professionalism and, and how I prepare for each fight. So I'm not going to go and change anything too much now. Obviously. This is the biggest fight of my life, and I want to win this more than anything. But, uh, you know, I trust the way I prepare for every other fight. I don't need to change anything. Um, I'm obviously extremely motivated and I'm working extremely hard, but uh, I don't want to go crazy and work, you know, 50% harder. Uh, I'll leave all the all the good work in the gym and burn myself out. Uh, I'm just preparing for for this fight like any other and uh, I'm confident that I can bring my best performance and um, hopefully I can show everybody what I'm capable of. I don't think I've ever really shown my you know, my full ability in any of my fights and this is the time to do it. It's my time to shine, put on the best performance of my life and and walk away with the three world titles around my life. Absolutely, Jason. Thanks for that. And I, I was wondering as well, uh, just playing, just in preparation for this fight, because you, you got you got an action earlier against Bias uh, over the summer during the Wendy's Bubble shows. Was there anything you can take away from that fight that you're going to apply into this one, or is it a, it's a whole different whole different animal? Oh well, it's, it's a different it's a different uh, opponent, obviously. But um, I'd take a lot away from that that fight. Uh, I think you learn in every fight, but that was that was a really great fight for me. I think I showed. Showed a little bit of what I can do. I boxed well on the outside and also boxed well on the inside and sat down on, you know, really physically strong guy's chest and broke him down and, and made him quit. So uh, it was a great fight in the lead up. Um, you know, seven valuable rounds that um, you know they're priceless in in the in, you know, in in the in the development of my career. And um, I think that was a really really good fight in the lead up to warm me up for, for the biggest test there is against Anui, and um, I feel great. That's good to hear, Jason. And also, just one last thing on my end here. I, I saw something mentioned that were, I think it was a quarter while back because I got it in my mind just for the pre media press kits here, saying that you weren't afraid of monsters. If no, if no, no monster will fear you. And I know that that's, that's his nickname, but I want to ask you about yours, actually. How did you get the nickname The Smooth One? I'm not really, uh, I'm not, I'm not really running with The Smooth One that much anymore. But my first coach, I guess people used to come in the gym and say, uh, you know, what's the difference between Jason and Andrew's style, what being, Andrew being my twin, and I guess Andrew was a bit more of the aggressive sort of walk-up, uh, you know, more bull, I guess, like, you know, he was the aggressive little bull, he was called at one stage, um, and I was more of the smooth one, I liked to sit back and pick my shots and fight a bit more of a counter-puncher back then, but... Um, I've sort of transformed my style since then. That was going back a while ago now. Um, I'm actually called Mayhem now. 
Uh, that's my new nickname, um, and I bring you know I bring more of an entertaining, uh, you know, tenacious, ferocious style now. Uh, and that's what the mayhem's about, and we're ready to uh, <laughs> ready to take over the bantamweight division. Absolutely. Now, I'll update Boxer Kamayan for you to, talk to, to update to Mayhem for you because you will be bringing the Mayhem on October 31st here in, in, on Las Vegas on ESPN uh, to close out the main show for the Super Bantamweight Unified titles. Uh, the goal for you, uh, Jason, one last question, then I'll let you go. Am I in here? You, you, the goal would be the best in the world. Uh, explain to me and just explain to everyone listening how important this would be that you beating Inoue would put you in that list. Yeah, well, that's where it puts me. Uh, you know, I want to be the best in the world. Uh, I've given my whole life to this sport, and you know, I've got big dreams. I want to, I want to win all five belts, um, and I want to dominate the bantamweight division for the next six or eight years, however long I continue to box. So, this is the beginning. Uh, I take out a new and earn myself the spot as the number one bantamweight in the world, and then. Uh, then that's the beginning. We go on from here, and I don't don't let anyone beat me for the rest of my career. Absolutely, Jason. Well, thank you so much for your time, and catch him once again, guys. Uh, Jason Maloney taking on the monster Antoya Inoue, uh, October 31st on ESPN. This has been Marquis John's Big Fight Weekend. The podcast will continue on after this. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. As we continue along, and as promised, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns is here. We just heard you with Jason Maloney. You're a man all over the place on the podcast this weekend. Week sauce, we got some serious fights uh, here to close things out in the month of October for Halloween Saturday. How you feeling as we warm up to it? Pretty good, TJ. Usually with Halloween, is always a trick-or-treat in terms of uh, candy and kids, but we have some actually pretty good treats and fights this weekend. I'm actually looking forward to a lot of these. Will there be any tricks? Will there be any treats? We're going to find out. We'll give you some breakdown. We'll even give you some betting odds for our friends of the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network of shows, Sports Gambling Podcast Network, a podcast that we are on. Again, uh, thank you for finding us, and we've had a jam-packed show um, already. So let's kind of go chronologically with what we have on Friday night, by the way, if you're hearing us later in the weekend, you probably already know the results if you're a fight fan, but on Friday night, DAZN and Golden Boy Promotions does have a fight card, Indio, California, no fans, uh, Fantasy Springs Resort and Casino, Jaime Munguia, former 154-pound champion for the WBO, fighting a World Boxing Organization elimination fight at 160 as a middleweight. So Munguia, the favored guy, uh, looking to try to be maybe the number one contender in the WBO for Demetrius Andrade's belt, fighting Toriano Johnson. Um, all right, so Marquise, that is Friday night, and, and this card from DAZN and Golden Boy, let's begin right there to kick off the weekend before we ever get to Halloween. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, TJ. This fight uh, with Munguia versus Johnson is, is a WBO, a pretty much title eliminator for the pound, the middleweight belt at 160, which is currently held by Demetrius uh, Bubli Andrade, who was originally supposed to, to uh, face uh, a, a who's who of whatever. And that fight may be scrapped as well uh, coming up in the pending week in Hollywood down here. But in the meantime, uh, Munguia has a fun test here against uh, Johnson, TJ, who was a Pretty much, a, pretty much a fight veteran at this point. Uh, been on a lot of these fantasy, fantasy Springs cards. Was last seen on the last Golden Boy Fight Night card, upsetting one of their prospects, Jason Quigley, last year in that main event. This is interesting on his part as well, only because of the way that this fight was all set up. Munguia, as you may not know, TJ, trained by great Eric Morales. 
And mm-hmm. this will be his second fight with him, uh, the training with dad as well. Uh, Munguin in his last fight, uh, and we'll see how he improves on this, was hit a lot against Gary Spike O'Sullivan, mustached, riding all. But he was <laughs> able to tire him out in 11 rounds but to get by. So here we are with this one. We'll see if Munguin uh, brings off the ring rust and uh, can actually uh, hold some defense on this one. And he's obviously got a pretty big punch, but uh, that's at 154 at lower weights. Moving up here to 160, Rashidi Speedy Ellis, a welterweight contender out of Oscar De La Hoya's stable, also in action, in action against Alex Rocha um, on the co-main event of this card on Friday night. Anything else intrigue you about that card before we move on to Saturday and all the action that we have? Absolutely, TJ. Two people, actually. Uh, Elwin Soto is defending his flyweight title that he defend, uh, He won in an upset last year, one of the more exciting fights on these Golden Boy shows and these Dijon Shorts cards last year. That's interesting against uh, Carlos uh, Butriaga. Also, uh, Friend of the program, Lamont Roach is in action, finally, TJ. <laughs> last seen against Jamel Simplify Herring uh, getting outboxed the last go-around on that main event out in Fresno. He's looking to make his way back into the title ranks, and he's he's one to improve on, uh, TJ. He had, they had a couple of months ago during the pandemic the ESPN Top 25 or Under 25. He hates his ranking on that, and he's trying to make a, make a statement and get back up, back up to the top 10. All right. right, so we'll find out what Roach can do. And again, that one on the DAZN streaming service for Friday night. Um, again, no fans present in Indio, California. Interesting also, Marquise, that at the weigh-ins today, including the main event, Mungia Johnson, the middleweight weigh-in, that DAZN went ahead on their streaming service and announced that the Ryan Garcia-Luke Campbell eliminator fight for December the 5th, highly anticipated because Ryan Garcia hasn't fought since February. Luke Campbell hasn't been active since all the way back to last year when he lost to Vasily Lomachenko in the WBC 135-pound title fight. They're going to fight in that same location in Indio, California. We've been waiting on where. We knew the date for at least the last week or two, but now that fight, the first Saturday night in December, no fans. Does it surprise you real quick that they weren't able to go with a location somewhere in the U.S.? Uh, For Garcia, Campbell, that could have had some fans socially distanced, they'll do it without fans, apparently, December 5th in the Fantasy Springs uh, Resort and Casino in their bubble, in their ballroom? It's kind of interesting, TJ, only because I'm trying to figure out just in terms of these fights are being stationed still out in California, which is pretty much in terms of uh, this COVID stuff on essential lockdown, where they're trying to have these fight cards. I mean, they're having that one this Friday. They're having, uh, they mentioned and announced officially today, the, the fiasco of Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. exhibition <laughs> card later on next month. They're having they're, they're having these fight cards out there, and it's already set and done that we go to other locations. If they want to have fights and gate revenue, they can just either travel to Texas, where right. they where these PBC cards are being held at, or where we are here in Florida, where if you just pay the commission enough money, you can have some fans around. I mean, that's the one thing. <laughs> thing that's the one stipulation. That's for these upcoming matchroom card shows here at the casino at the Hard Rock down here in a couple of weeks, where there's no fans around for that. But that's. I find it interesting that they're not having fans for these shows there, but they could have done these cards elsewhere, honestly. Well, they got to figure all of that out. And again, Garcia may have been adamant that he wanted to fight in the United States and wanted to fight in California. He's been difficult to get under control by Oscar De La Hoya and get him on a fight card. But that's a very intriguing fight for the first week in December. Long time to talk about that one. Let's move on to the ones that we do have for Saturday. Intriguing is the word I'll use. Heavyweight showdown. Former world undisputed cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk, former gold medalist as well uh, in the Olympics, 
Ukrainian-born, fighting in England in the in the uh, London O2 Arena against a veteran heavyweight knockout guy, Derek Chisora, who's known as much for the antics in the press conferences as well as the big punch. Um, what do you make of this? This will be in the afternoon U.S. time, North American time, prime time in the U.K. on their pay-per-view on Sky Sports. DAZN streaming will stream it back here to the United States. Usyk, uh, second fight as a heavyweight. What do you make of it, Marquise? What are your thoughts? We finally get TJ up, an Usyk fight that we could all actually want to see and see where he stacks in terms of the heavyweight divisions. Ever since he moved up, his last fight last year was in Chicago, TJ, against the great look, the great late replacement of Chaz Witherspoon. And yeah. anyone watching the six rounds of that learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> so this fight against Warchazora here, who was well-known, honestly, for making antics, knocking over tables, asking Eddie Hearn, where's the money? All, all, the, all that fun stuff. All that's out the window here for this fight to see how... He can get by Usyk here. A live dog, by the way, TJ. We know Usyk can punch, but the odds of him trying to knock somebody out is, is hasn't happened very well. It hasn't happened at all lately in terms of a heavyweight. We just don't know yet. Right. And he and he and he couldn't knock out Chaz Witherspoon in his last fight. The guy who had, took the fight on literally four days' notice. And what happened was he was tired. So we'll see how that changes now against Azora, who was a known puncher. Well, he yeah, he's been caught on several occasions. Well known for the the, the Dillian White fight he had a while back, but. I'm looking forward to seeing, because everyone has Usyk under pound-for-pound pound list. This is the chance where he gets, gets, gets to see why. Usyk is 17-0 as a pro, 13 KOs. Chisora much older uh, as a 36-year-old, 32-9. and nine. The, the last biggest significant fight, Dillian White knocked him out, wore him down and knocked him out in that fight. Intrigue, though, for this one, because it, it is fair to say this will be a test for Usyk. Can he, can he wear him down? Can he knock him out? We'll go over this um, a couple of different times on the odds and on the predictions. Interesting that for Usyk uh, in this one, he is the minus 725 favorite, Chisora plus 425. If you're looking at the knockout possibilities, uh, Chisora by KO, TKO is plus 600. Usyk minus 110 by knockout or TKO of Chisora. So, the, the uh, odds here from our friends at mybookie.ag that sponsor uh, us here on Big Fight Weekend and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. Does anything about those odds stand out here? Are they right about where you thought they were? Are you a little bit surprised by any of it? I'm a little bit surprised about the Dia Usyk uh, uh, KO number. I don't know if that's going to happen in this fight personally. I'm more intrigued with, because I really do think, TJ, that Chisora is a very live dog in this. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to win this, but I have a feeling that it's not going to it's going to go to distance one way or the other. This fight has been delayed because of the pandemic for over six months. They were holding out hope to have some fans. Apparently, there's not any fans in the O2 Arena yet. Maybe later in the year for the Anthony Joshua showdown with Kubrat Pulev in December in another six weeks or so. So we'll see what happens here with uh, with Chisora and Usyk. And again, that's in the afternoon uh, U.S. time. Anything else on that card of note or that you care about? I know you're all over the undercard all the time with all these big shows. Anything there, Marquise, in the O2 Arena before the main event? Absolutely, TJ. Three things, actually. Our our good buddy Dave Allen's back in action. And I, <laughs> while I don't have any money on his fight this go-around, because I, w- I missed out on that third-round opportunity against uh, Darge's last go-around, <laughs> he's fighting TJ, Christopher Lovejoy, who has a padded record from Mexico, and was talking on Instagram, and I'm going to shout-out to great Tim Boxio on Twitter, because he got the ask this question on his Instagram account, 
TJ, if I were to tell you that Dave Allen's fighting a guy who is coming in at 347 pounds possibly Ooh. on Saturday, do you think he has a shot to win? Probably <laughs> not. Not unless so, he was like eight and a half feet tall in 347. 347, way too large. And again, you made quick mention of it. Uh, we saw Dave Allen in a controversial fight uh, knock out Dorian Darsh in questionable circumstances where live betting had been stopped because the rumors were that the fight was going to be over with in the third round. And lo and behold, Weak Sauce Radio, what round did the fight end but the third round that Dave Allen scored the <laughs> knockout? Uh, apparently, the investigation, though, uh, came up with nothing from the British Boxing Shocker. Board of Control. So anyway, Allen on that card. And uh, and you also have been writing this week on the site about the IBF lightweight title eliminator fight that is going to be right before Usyk and Chisora, right? Yes, the co-main event of this, thankfully, is going to be an actual title eliminator, which is Lee Shelby versus uh, George Cambosis Jr. A fight that's been uh, twice delayed, actually. One was a pandemic, the other one because... Eddie Hearn didn't want to pay up and wanted to Fred and go to a purse bid. So all of that's squared away now, and, and this fight's going to take place. The, the key with this one is that this, the winner of this fight, uh, either be Shelby or Cambosis, is going to be the immediate uh, mandatory challenger for the new current champion at 135, Tia Lopez, uh, with the IBF coming up for the mandatories of that coming up soon. All right. Uh, again, the voice of Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Follow him at Week Sauce Radio. A great follow, keeping track of all the fights, all the undercards on fights. Humongously busy weekend with the Friday night Golden Boy Show and then these cards that we're going over on Saturday. Uh, let's continue in the chronology and let's go next to the uh, Las Vegas card, which is the top-ranked boxing show and the championship battle between Japan's monster, Naoya Inoue. Uh, Bantamweight unified champion has two of the belts at 118 pounds. Jason Maloney, we just played your interview with Jason Maloney of Australia, who is the challenger uh, here in this one. I thought it was interesting. Maloney, what are you expecting to say? But yeah, he didn't lack for confidence in that interview, in that conversation with you. He really believes that as much as everybody's got the monster heavily favored to win, if not by knockout, he really believes that he's going to be able to not only test him, but be able to upset him, Marquise. And in, in that conversation, that just kept coming through and all the answers. Love the conversation I had with Jason, uh, TJ, about this fight with Inoue, because pretty much as he may have expected, he knows he's the underdog in this. He knows he's going to be hearing about it. And the one thing I thought was great was that he got tired of hearing about being like he's, he's that he's going to just be walked over against Inoue. Uh, and he just wanted to take it, take advantage of the opportunity as it goes the opportunity for lifetime. And he wants to expand on that. And I loved his his passion for that. And also for the simple reason that he wanted to actually just he's in there TJ he's here to win like you you know you talk to some fighters and it's like all right we're here to, you know have you know check things out he feels that when he had to fight beforehand against uh, Leonard Baez that he had a leg up on the competition for, for the anticipation of fighting in this bubble with no crowds and anyway he's been off since that fight with Denaire in the World Boxing Super Series so right. he's going to use that to his advantage and I thought that was great to hear about him as well yeah Maloney again as you made mention fought in the bubble what about three months ago June. Uh, when he got that yeah. win. And so he's been in the environment. Uh, again, this one's got a lot of international appeal. It'll be on late night ESPN Plus in the United States, but it's on live Japanese TV Sunday midday in Japan when it will happen. Also Sunday midday in Australia for Maloney's uh, fan base down under. 
Uh, and in a way, again, is a, is a significant favorite in this one uh, on mybookie.ag, minus 910, uh, Maloney plus 665. Interesting that the under-over is only six and a half rounds. I, in a way, a big puncher. Uh, again, maybe some ring rust for him. I'm concerned, though, for Maloney that he's not going to be able to deal with the punching power of the monster. That's the whole intrigue of this fight. Can he withstand the big punch of the monster, Marquise? What do you think? I think, TJ, he finds a way to do it. I don't know if he wins, but I really do think he's a a, a huge underdog in this one as well. I really like... I like a lot of the underdogs in this fight this weekend. That's what makes these so good in terms of these fights this weekend as a whole. And the one thing that what anyway has has a disadvantage of that Maloney does have is we'll see uh, the ring rust on this. It's been over almost a year for him. We'll, we'll see how he shakes back out of this. And the one thing I've realized with a lot of these bubble shows is you have a you, if, if it's your first fight back into it, it takes a few rounds for you to get back into the swing of things of not hearing anybody yell at you. That's not your trainer or the corner or just hearing the absolute feet moving around. So I'm looking forward to see how he addresses all of this. You mentioned the Donaire decision was last November that unified the WBA and IBF 118-pound belts for him. Previous to that, though, the monster had been on quite a knockout streak going all the way back uh, to the last time that somebody lasted the distance was 2013. Hello, with all the yeah. knockouts. So this is a guy that is a big puncher. Um, he's got 16 KOs in 19 wins, but you look in, in uh, 20. 18, for example, he had a couple of title defenses as the WBA champ, beat Jamie McDonald in Japan, beat Juan Carlos Payano in Japan, both by KO, beat Emmanuel Rodriguez um, in Scotland by knockout in May of 2019. So again, the monster, a big puncher, a lot of the U.S. fans not familiar with him. We'll see what happens uh, in this battle, same question about the undercard. I know Michaela Meyer is fighting for a world title. Uh, Michaela Mayer uh, fighting mm-hmm. for a world title uh, here for the Women's Lightweight Championship in the co-feature um, on Saturday night from Las Vegas um, against Ua Brodnika. Brodnika, the champion, 10-round battle. Mayer's been anxious for a title shot. She's unbeaten. This is her first chance at a championship. Just a quick opinion on that, because she's a prominent uh, American female fighter that gets a title shot here, Marquise. This is finally Meyer's time to to actually win the title. I think she's going to win this easily, TJ. She was also in action against Helen Joseph on one of these bubble shows, being the first female to to main event of uh, ESPN fight in ever. Uh, I think it was 2007-2008. And she has a chance now against... uh, Evo Brunica, those are the type of she was waiting for for a while. Michaela Meyer's been calling out uh, title talent, pretty much title holders, ever since she's about all of last year. She started last year actually taking challenging Eva Washburn, but Eva Washburn ended up taking on a fight with Terry Harper and losing. Now she's been calling out Terry Harper, and Terry Harper's been playing keep away and almost lost to Natasha Jonas. So now if all that's out the way, she has a chance this time around against Brodnika. And what's interesting about that one, TJ, and I want you to keep an eye on this as well, Meyer has been absolutely outboxing every woman she's been in the ring with essentially every round I've seen in the last four fights of her. And I don't think that's going to change with Brodica, who uh, is on the ever end of 30 and hasn't fought literally in about a year and a half. So I don't see anything out of the ordinary changing more except the, the, the belts changing hands. Well, and again, for Michaela Mayer, um, she had COVID-19 earlier in the summer. It cost her being able to fight 
on the Top Rank Bubble Show, had to reschedule with Helen Joseph and fight again about a month uh-huh. later and was very successful. High-volume puncher. We'll see what happens in the co-feature before the Monster and Jason Maloney coming up on Saturday. All right, we did hear from Al Bernstein, the legendary uh, Hall of Fame analyst for Showtime. Showtime will have the pay-per-view with fans at the Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas, main event, Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, as we said with Al, it is for apparently uh, the WBA just makes it up as they go along. Both the WBA <laughs> junior lightweight and lightweight world titles, uh, which again, uh, you're not supposed to be able to fight for two different weight divisions championships in the same fight. The fight is either at 130 or the fight's at 135. As Al made clear, this fight is at 135, so it should be only for the uh, the uh, the version, the regular version of the WBA uh, lightweight title. Teofimo Lopez has the world title version after beating Lomachenko a couple of weeks ago. All right, Marquise, uh, we heard Al's thoughts on this uh, about Davis and, and the punching power against a veteran, experienced fighter that's more on volume punching and toughness. Where do you come down on what happens Saturday night in the Alamo Dome but between Tank Davis and, and Santa Cruz? I'm looking forward to this, this pay-per-view, TJ, on, with Showtime on Saturday with, with this main event for one reason and one reason only. We spoke to Raul Marquez about this. We talked to Abner Morris about this as well. The guys are calling the fights on Showtime. We had Steve Farhood on back in the day as well in this podcast before mentioning it to it as well. And the best way they can describe these fight cards without fans, and they all, all these guys have said this in some variation as creepy and quiet. This is going to have 12,000 fans at least in it for the album. Don't actually make crowd noise, and it's it's going to be a great atmosphere for this. And Tank, dro- Tank and Santa Cruz are drawing figures in terms of fight fans as well. And I think back to the fight itself, I think Davis in somehow or some way makes 130. The one thing on if you've been following, uh, well, it's one. Let drunk, me correct you again. It's 135. It's 135. 135 right. that he has to uh, he has some wiggle room with that. And I should interject, you were there in Atlanta last December when he was fighting the veteran Yoriokis Gamboa and he missed the weight by a pound and a half and shot off the stage like he owed somebody some money to go to go try to <laughs> to go try to lose the pound and a half. You do not believe that's going to be an issue. I know we're taping this in advance of the weigh-ins on Friday. You do not believe this is going to be an issue. I don't think this is an issue TJ only because Davis, Davis, since that last fight against Gangoba, has heard nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing about this except hearing about the weight and how do you want to shake the weight off. I remember in one of the previous uh, media calls we had leading up to this fight, talking with these guys, he, he, Brian Custer asked him flat out, hey, the weight, we saw photos. How fat are you? Brian Custer's questions flat out. And he said he's going <laughs> to make weight. He was fine. So they all know what's on the line with this. And I, I really think Davis is going to try to shut everybody up about if that. If you and look at these so. videos, if I interject, with him working with Floyd Mayweather, they keep showing all these uh, uh, video workouts that he's been doing. I mean, who knows what you can draw from that, but he appears to be in fantastic shape. So we'll yeah. we'll see. But again, he's he's missed weight on three occasions, including one that cost him his championship at uh, at junior lightweight uh, yeah. previously when he missed it. So we'll see what happens here with Santa Cruz. And we had Santa Cruz on the podcast last week, who clearly is the more seasoned fighter, having been in there twice with Carl Frampton, having been in there twice and victorious both times against Abner Mares. And Mares will be on the call on the Showtime pay-per-view 
We'll see what that's worth. Again, on the betting odds, Davis minus 625 Marquise to win. He is favored. Santa Cruz plus 425 as the underdog. The under over 10 and a half rounds. The belief is that this one will go into the late rounds. Do you agree with that? I don't teach it because I think if it's at 135, I think Davis gets to him early and stops him at some point early on. The one thing with Santa Cruz and why Santa Cruz is a big underdog in this fight, TJ, the last time he was in action was against Miguel Flores at 130, mind you, on the uh, Deontay Wilder-Louis uh, Ortiz 2 pay-per-view on the, the, in the co-main event. And Santa Cruz did not look that great. He won by decision, but it would, may have been one of the more duller 12 rounds. It wasn't the same Santa Cruz that we all saw throwing volume punches. He said after the fight he was sick, whatever the reason may be. Don't know if Santa Cruz is going to be able to hang with Tank power-wise if, if, if Davis is able to come in there at 135 and, be able, and go from there. Yeah, that's the big concern right now is how does he handle the power uh, or not, and we'll find out. We'll find out what Santa Cruz can do. Uh, with Davis or not, who has 22 knockouts and 23 fights. Uh, on the undercard, what in what intrigues you here uh, for this one? Because I know you've, you've written about a couple of different fighters. I, I wonder, I mean, Regis Progress uh, mm-hmm. for us uh, it will make his debut on Premier Boxing Champions. Interesting, this is a one-fight deal, a one-off. He signed with PBC to be part of the pay-per-view. Um, and he will fight Juan Geraldez in a junior welterweight 10-round contender fight. Progress very much would love a title shot again, maybe a rematch with Josh Taylor or somebody else at 140. We're interested in him, and we also have Mario Barrios and Ryan Carl, junior welterweights as well. Maybe they're setting up for Progress to fight the winner of that fight uh, among the undercard fights here. That's a possibility, TJ, with, with uh, Mario Barros and Cowboy Ryan Carl op- opening up this fight card for the pay-per-view. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to what with, with Regis. Uh, Juan Harold is one of the uh, fighters on the uh, Mayweather Promotions stable, and if you've been following show- these Showtime cards, at least, or at least the last weekend's fight cards, these, sh- these Showtime cards, uh, cards have been having Mayweather Promotion fighters fought in tough contests, like the one where Malik Hawkins was stopped by Surreal Matias last Saturday. Right. And one where Xavier Martinez, another Mayweather promotion guy, uh, had to survive two knockdowns by Claudio Marrero to get by. And Herodas is, is the next one up on this. And he faced to face a former world champion in Regis Progress. That is not easy work for him at all. Well, and, and, and honestly, can I interject? We love this. That's a very competitive yes. fight, it looks like, on paper, is your point. We want to see uh, fights that are not squash fights on the undercard mm-hmm. here. And we'll find out Progress hasn't fought in a year. It was the anniversary earlier this week of him losing to Josh Taylor over in London in the World Boxing Super Series finale where Taylor won the unified version of the 140-pound title, took Progress's belt, handed him his first loss. He hasn't fought since, and the pandemic has something to do with it. Maybe is he rusty? As we wrote on the site, Progress's wife is due to deliver any moment as we're taping the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, she is due this week to have their third child. He is away from her in the bubble, quarantined. That's on his mind. Will he be distracted by that? Uh, we'll see. So it's a, it's a very intriguing undercard fight. 
Love it, TJ. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great pay per view fight card. Actually, I'm not one to justify paying pay per view money in this man. But the one <laughs> thing with this is, is that it, even that fight card, as well as uh, Isaac Cruz is facing a uh, Diego Magdaleno, TJ. I haven't seen a bad Diego Magdaleno fight ever, and that guy goes goes out swinging, and he's looking to get back into the title picture as well, even at his advanced age. So it's up and down. This is a solid fight card, and it's really just a great weekend of fights. And it's really it's the first time, the first significant fight here that's going to have fans. And that Alamo Dome, I've been in there numerous times uh, for the NCAA tournament in the Final Four, uh, uh-huh. which for basketball, it would still seat thirty five or 40,000. It's a football venue. They've, they've previously played a Big 12 championship game or two in there. The University of Texas, San Antonio plays home football games in there. They don't regularly sell it out. The New Orleans Saints, Marquise, if we go in the trivia machine, the Saints during the Hurricane Katrina displacement year played home NFL games that had 40,000 people in the Alamo Dome. The San Antonio Spurs used to play basketball with 25,000 in there for basketball so it'll be interesting. It, it may look empty, even though there are 10,000 people there just because of how big it is. That's the point. And I'm curious to see how much noise there will be for that Santa Cruz Davis main event. Let's just hope that we get a good fight uh, on that. Uh, Marquise, did we leave anything out as we head towards the weekend and wrap the podcast up? Anything else that uh, that you've got? I mean, again, a massive amount of fights. I mean, we were so, so dry earlier in the spring and early summer without any fights. Yeah. Now we've got a great weekend with all kinds of fight cards from uh, from London to Las Vegas to Texas to Indio, California. we got all kinds of fight cards. We do, TJ. Just one card just in particular. Uh, on Back on that Usyk Chisora undercard, uh, Savannah Marshall's in, a- in action. She's facing Hannah Rankin. Savannah Marshall, for everyone who hasn't remembered or forgotten, the last woman to beat Clarissa Shields fighting for a vacant belt at, at, at 1-6 for, I think it's WBO middleweight. Seeing where how she stacks up with that, she herself has said on numerous these press conferences and calls up down the line. She's still waiting on Shields. It's going to be a, a while for that to happen, but... She's, she's at least, she at least will have a title opportunity, at least coming up Saturday night. All right. Again, it starts with the Usyk Chisora card, U.S. time, Saturday afternoon. That main event will come off somewhere around 5.36 Eastern time, somewhere around 10.30, 11 London time from the O2 Arena. The other fights will be later from Las Vegas with NOA and Maloney, the World Bantamweight Championship fight from the Vegas bubble on ESPN+. Main event will be well after 11 Eastern, might be 11.30 Eastern, midnight. Same kind of thing in Texas at the Alamo Dome for Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. Main event will be well after 11 Eastern time, well after 10 local time in Texas uh, for those bouts. So, we got a lot of fights to keep up with, and I know you're going to be writing all about it. I'll be trying to supplement and help uh, on the Big Fight Weekend website with previews, with recaps of these fights throughout the weekend. We're going to be all over it, are we not, Marquise? Plug away. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, uh, your source for all things boxing, past, present, and future. Well, I'll be keeping up with all these fights all the weekend long. I've been looking for this for a long time, and I will keep keeping on to see if anything develops, see if anything wacky happens. Hopefully, this fight in London we won't get a, a judge on their cell phone during it, and we have some accurate judging going on, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Ridiculous. Hopefully it will be on the up and up uh, for Chisora and Usyk. I don't know Usyk's going to need any uh, any judges. I think he may end up stopping Chisora before it's all said and done in that heavyweight showdown. And again, the significance there, if Usyk wins, 
Uh, he is allegedly WBO number one contender in the way for Anthony Joshua to have to fight him at some point in 2021. We will see on that one. Busy, busy podcast as we wrap it up. Thanks to Al Bernstein earlier in the podcast. He's on the call of Davis, Santa Cruz, Mauro Ranallo, Abner Mares with him. The Showtime pay-per-view, PBC on Showtime from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Marquise, great conversation with Jason Maloney. He challenges the monster, Naoya Inoue, from Japan, unified bantamweight title on the line in Las Vegas Saturday night on ESPN Plus. Maloney, the Australian against the Japanese knockout star. Uh, we'll see what happens in that one as well. So again, we'll be all over it here. And of course, Marquise Johns hanging out with me his, as well. Week Sauce, enjoy the fights. I, I look forward to uh, to catching up with you when all of this is done and uh, and seeing what happens in all of these different shows again from London to Vegas, to Texas, to California. We're going to be all over it. Thank you. Thank you, DJ. There goes Marquise Johns. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thanks to our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast and their uh, network of shows, Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Podcasts. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com to read more about uh, the fights that are coming up here. And no matter how you found us, through a social media link or through sportsgamblingpodcast.com, subscribe, and you will get the show automatically in the preview mode, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, for now, we're done. Enjoy all of the action this weekend. Uh, we thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.